A very good evening to each one of you. A very warm welcome to our evening service. Thank you for coming on a cold winter's night. You're all very welcome, and that applies to those who join with us online. We're glad to have each one of you share in this service. Let us turn to the Psalter, to Psalm 145, the second version, on page 444. And we'll sing the first eight verses. O Lord, thou art my God and King, thee will I magnify and praise. I will thee bless and gladly sing unto thy holy name always. Each day I rise, I will thee bless and praise thy name time without end. Much to be praised. And great God is, his greatness none can comprehend. Psalm 145, second version. O Lord, thou art my God and King.
Let's join together in prayer. Let us pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we have addressed you as our God and King in this our opening psalm of praise. And we thank you, we bless you that that's exactly who you are. We thank you that you are the eternal God. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Beside you there can be none other. You are God alone, righteous and holy in all your words, in all your ways, and in all your works. We thank you for the privilege afforded to us this evening hour of worshipping you as our God. We thank you too that you are King, King of the universe, King of the ages, the eternal King. We thank you that you reign supreme over all the nations of this world. And we thank you that your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Oh, help us to make sure that we are your subjects by faith, that we have bowed the knee before you, that we have brought forth the royal diadem, we have crowned you, King of kings and Lord of lords. O God, our King, draw near to us in our worship. Help us with due reverence and diligence. We might render unto you all that is due to your great and holy name. Speak into our hearts. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to be obedient to what you say to us. We pray for ourselves. We pray for those who are not with us, who cannot be with us for one reason or another this evening. Lord, we pray that wherever they are, they might know a Sabbath evening's blessing in their lives. We pray for those who would long to be here, but circumstances prevent them. Lord, we pray and ask for mercy upon those who could be here and are not, those who have no thought or time for you. Oh, at this busy time of the year, they have room for business, they have room for pleasure, they have room for Christmas preparations, but they forget about the newborn King. Have mercy upon them. Lord, speak with your thunderous voice into their lives. Help them to hear and to know it is the voice of God that speaks to them. Bring them, Lord, to a sense 
of your presence and help them that they might understand that you and you alone are the one with whom we have to do with whom one day we must give an account and so we pray that you would undertake for us shut out every distracting thought cleanse us from sin and from iniquities and have your own perfect way amongst us for we ask these things in the name and for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ Amen We further unite heart and voice as we turn to Psalm 98 on page 360 We'll sing the whole psalm because it would be a shame to leave any verse out Psalm 98 O sing a new song to the Lord for wonders he hath done His right hand and his holy arm him victory hath won The Lord God his salvation has caused to be known His justice in the heathen sight He openly hath shown All of Psalm 98 O sing a new song to the Lord
Our scripture reading is taken from the first epistle of John, chapter 4, and we'll read the whole chapter. First John, chapter 4. Let us attend to the word of God. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the Spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God has sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. 
by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is so also are we in this world there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love we love because he first loved us if anyone says I love God and hates his brother he is a liar for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen and this commandment we have from him whoever loves God must also love his brother Amen we look to the Lord to bless to us this reading of his word let us again turn to God in prayer let us pray Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you that as we join together for our evening worship, already we have a sense of your presence with us. You have once more fulfilled your promise that when we draw near to you, you also will draw near to us. We thank you for one another. We thank you for our fellowship in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We think this evening are of those who need a share in our prayers. We thank you for this Advent season. We bless you for Christmas drawing near. But we know that there are many hurting, breaking hearts. We thank the Lord of the island of Jersey and the families of the three fishermen who were lost at sea following a collision with a ferry. But Lord, that's not the only tragedy. We think of families, relatives, friends, neighbours, colleagues of those who lost their lives following the explosion in the flats. And this would be sad enough if it was confined just to Jersey. But Lord, we think too of the families of the four little boys from Solihull who died when they fell through a frozen lake and others have tragically lost lives in road accidents many mourn today because of a dear one who was suddenly unexpectedly taken from them Lord draw near to comfort we pray Remember those who are ill. And we ask, Lord, that you would draw near to them. 
the Christmas season is a time when it is difficult to deal with other adverse realities. Serious illness is a deep concern at any time of the year. But illness seems to be exaggerated when so many the world is enjoying itself. Lord, bless the NHS, the doctors, consultants, nurses, all who care for those who are ill. Lord, we give thanks to you for the wonderful response of this congregation and many other congregations to the Blyswood shoebox appeal. We thank you for the shoeboxes that have already been filled and sent. And Lord, we thank you for those who will receive these gifts of love. We pray, Lord, that as the boxes are opened, as excitement builds over the gifts, that you would use the little gospel booklets and calendars that each box contains and use the word of God to bring the best news possible. And we pray, Lord, that there will be those who will come to know the love of God for them and to place their faith and trust in the Saviour. Father, bless us as we turn to your word. Take your truth and open it up for us. Give us understanding in it. Give us obedience. And we pray that your blessing would be upon us. We ask these things in the Saviour's name. Amen. We turn now to Psalm 89 on page 344. And we sing the first six verses. God's mercies I will ever sing, and with my mouth I shall thy faithfulness make to be known to generations all. For mercy shall be built, said I, forever to endure thy faithfulness e'en in the hymns thou wilt establish sure. The first six verses of Psalm 89. God's mercies I will ever sing.
I'm very grateful to Farker for inviting me to conduct this evening's service. Well, we have had our scripture reading from 1 John chapter 4. What do you think I'm going to preach on? Were you paying attention to the reading? Oh, you might think I'm going to preach about love. That's a great Christmas theme. And it is repeated over and over in 1 John chapter 4. But it's not love. I want to deal with God's enabling grace this evening. To deal with one reason why Jesus came into the world. If I were to ask you, and I am asking you, give me one reason why Jesus came to Bethlehem, why Jesus came to earth. Some of you would go right away back into eternity past when we are told that Jesus was foreordained before the foundation of the world and that is true some of you would say he came to fulfill prophecy that is certainly true I trust you would all be able to quote to me John chapter 3 and verse 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He came to save sinners. We are so thankful for that. Some of you will tell me he came to bring light into darkness as recorded by John in his first chapter. Some of you will tell me that he came to reveal the glory of God. Again, John chapter 1. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And some of you would tell me, rightly so, that Jesus came to be the one mediator between God and man. All these are equally true and worthy of much consideration. But I have one reason I haven't mentioned yet. One simple reason why Jesus came. And it's found in our text in verse 9. In this the love of God was manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. Jesus came because he was sent. I have chosen verse 9 as our text. I could also have chosen verse 10. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his 
Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And if you're not satisfied with two texts, I could give you a third. Verse 14. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. He came because he was sent. Jesus came because the Father sent him. This prompted me to think back to my childhood, to my primary school summer holidays, and my mother called me in from play, and she said, James, I have a message for you to do. And she gave me an envelope with money in it, and I had to go to a local farmer, Mr. Hall, and I had to buy potatoes from him. I wish I could tell you the price of the potatoes. All I know is that it was pounds, shillings, and pence. But when I got there to Mr. Hall's farmhouse, I rang the doorbell, and he answered, and I said, my mummy sent me and I handed over the envelope and got the potatoes and carried them back and I remember walking home and how pleased I was how thrilled I was that my mother trusted me to send me Jesus came into the world because the father sent him oh the trust that the father had in the son no one else was worthy no one else could possibly be sent the father sent the son oh the trust that the son had in the father to obey the father's desire and command and be sent forth into this awful, terrible world of sin that we heard more about this morning. The Father sent the Son. Think first of all with me about the initiative which God took. The initiative which God took. I'm sure you understand that between the testaments, between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New, there is 400 years, there are 400 years of silence. No word from heaven. God is not speaking to his people. Silence. Oh, can you imagine what that must have been like? Not a word. Not one single word from heaven. Just complete silence. That's a mystery. That's strange. We do not understand. We trust a sovereign God in his will. But what is even more baffling 
is that there wasn't a sign from the people on earth, especially the Israelites, God's own chosen people. Not one word from them addressing God. Lord, why are you silent? What have we done that you are not speaking with us? How have we offended you? Not one was seeking after God. Not one was inquiring as to why God was silent. But we can understand it when we know that man is born in sin, shapen in iniquity, and he is dead in trespasses and sin. Calvinism has five points, and the first point is total depravity, also known as total inability and original sin. Man is incapable of seeking after God. Man has no desire, no thought, no time. Just let me get on with what concerns me and let God do whatever he wants to do, but don't involve me. Let me just remain as I am. Romans chapter 3 verses 10 to 12 is a quotation from Psalm 14 that tells us that there is none who does good. There is none who seeks after God. In the light of scripture that describes man's true nature as being utterly lost and incapable how is it possible for anyone to choose or desire God the answer is he or she cannot there is nothing within us that makes us hunger after God therefore God must predestine God must intervene God himself must take the initiative because the initiative never lies with man. See the movement which love takes in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God took the initiative and made a move toward us. He came to us in Jesus Christ, his son. This movement, this love, is a repeated theme of New Testament writers. Luke records the end of Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 3 and verse 26. 
And Peter says to you, first, God sent his servant Jesus to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Paul in Galatians 4 and verse 4, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. And I've already quoted three times from 1 John chapter 4, and I'll not repeat those verses. I'll mention them again just by number. Verse 9, 10, and 14. But this being sent by the Father is the testimony of Jesus concerning himself over and over again. He states this. Matthew 10 and verse 40. Before sending out the twelve, he addresses them. And this is part of what he says. He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. John 4 verse 34, Jesus at the pool, sorry, at the well when he came across the Samaritan woman and entered into conversation with him. The disciples had gone into the village to get food. Slow of thought. The disciples didn't realize they hadn't brought anything back for the master until they saw him. And then it dawned on them, we have looked after ourselves, but we haven't catered for Jesus. And listen to what Jesus said to them. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. John chapter 6 and verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. John's gospel in particular is full of texts that tell us that Jesus understood his mission on earth. He was sent by the Father. Just let me leave one further text with you from John 20 and 21. In the upper room, the doors were shut. Jesus appeared to his disciples and he said to them, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. The movement 
that God made toward us. And see the excitement which love creates. Isaiah chapter 9. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And oh the excitement. We as a congregation have shared the excitement of several parents in the birth of children in recent times. There is a buzz, there is an excitement, there is a thrill. And oh, the excitement that God has created for us in sending us a son. The initiative which God has taken. The second point I would leave with you, the intention which God has. God must have an intention in sending his own son. There must be an intention on God's part. Otherwise, why bother? What was the point? There is a double point to God sending Jesus. There is a double intention First of all, it meant involvement for God. Love comes from God, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. God sent his Son that we might experience the love of God. Verse 10 makes it plain that he loved us first and then sent his son. Verse 10, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. But it's more than just sending Jesus his son. There is a greater involvement for God the Father. In verse 12, he intends to live in us. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. God abides in us. That's why he sent Jesus. So that he, God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, God the Holy Spirit might live and abide in us. He admits us to live in him. Verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. This is a wonderful summation of God's intention in sending his son this is the involvement of God the Father that we might know love 
that we might live in him as he lives in us. But then there is enrichment for us. There was involvement for God, but enrichment for us. In some of these verses I have already quoted, there is confidence for us in the day of judgment in verse 17. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. I think all of us to some extent or other have a dread, have a fear, have an anxiety about standing before the throne of God on the day of judgment. But we are to have confidence, not in our own works, not in what we have done or not in what we have not done, but because of Jesus, because God sent his Son, we have confidence for the day of judgment. And there is completeness or maturity in love. Again in verse 17. By this is love perfected with us. What a blessing that is. The perfection of love. And the third enrichment for us is the latter part of verse 17. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. It should be the believer's great desire and it should be our every effort to be Christ-like, to be like Jesus more and more every day. Here we have this wonderful promise that we are like him as he is, so also are we in this world. The intention which God has Involvement for him. Enrichment for us. I close with the invitation which God extends. I said that God had an intention for sending his son. He now issues an invitation he has sent his son. It is up to us to receive him, to take him, to invite him into our hearts and lives that he might live in us as we abide in him. What has been our response to the invitation thus far? It is my earnest prayer that if we have never yet received Jesus whom God sent, if we have never yet responded 
to the invitation which God extends to us to receive his son that we will do that even this evening delay no longer he came on to his own and his own did not receive him but to as many as received him to them he gave the power the ability the authority to become children of God may today this evening may you know the abundant blessing of being a true child of God let us pray Father we thank you for your word and we thank you for reminding us what Christmas is all about it is the coming of the Saviour he came because he was sent thank you O God our Father for thinking upon us and in sending Jesus into this world of sin that we might abide in him and he in us grant us the full realization of this blessing at this Christmas time for your name's sake Amen we conclude our worship by turning to Psalm 34 on page 246 God will I bless all times his praise my mouth shall still express my soul shall boast in God the meek shall hear with joyfulness extol the Lord with me let us exalt his name together I sought the Lord he heard and did me from all fears deliver the first 10 verses of Psalm 34 God will I bless
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all this day and forevermore. Amen.